Weekday evenings on FM 101.5 and AM 1400, The Patriot. It's 6 o'clock talk with Daryl Wood. Host Daryl Wood brings you the day's news and trending topics as only he can with a unique blend of conservative opinion, constitutionalism, and thought-provoking analysis. Join the conversation. 6 o'clock talk with Daryl Wood. A daily look at the news in a way you won't hear anywhere else. Tune in to 6 o'clock talk with Daryl Wood on FM 101.5 and AM 1400, The Patriot. Or stream at PatriotDetroit.com. You are in in what part of the country? Southwest Colorado. Wonderful. How are you picking us up? Oh, I stream you guys on my uh, iPhone every day. Fantastic. Um, I am a resident of Sterling Heights, but uh, I frequently come to Southwest Colorado. I am just thrilled to be hearing from you out there in Colorado. Continue to listen, tune in again, and call at your earliest convenience. Godspeed. Run to Win with Daryl Wood, Monday through Friday at 4 p.m. on Faith Talk Detroit. Good evening, everybody. Welcome to Bible Talk. This is Pastor Baker uh, coming to you, uh, not in studio, but in home. But nevertheless, with another uh, session of information with regarding to the uh, Watchtower Bible and Tract Society, uh, better known as Jehovah's Witnesses, I want to take a look at the uh, Watchtower Society's teaching on the most critical uh, issue uh, that pertains to every human being, and that is salvation. Uh, Salvation also uh, known as deliverance, but deliverance from what? Well, it's deliverance from the penalty of sin, first of all. The penalty of sin, of course, is eternal torment in the lake of fire. Now, the problem is, as the Bible teaches, that all of sin and come short of the glory of God. Every human being on the face of the earth had came into this world as a sinner. The cause of that is because of what our ancestor Adam did. Adam received specific a specific command from God the Father in the Garden of Eden. He disobeyed that command. He became a sinner. And everything, or shall I say, everyone whom he produced, because we're all descendants of Adam, uh, everyone who he produced was a sinner. We're told in uh, the book of Romans, uh, chapter 5, verse 12, by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin. And therefore, death passed upon all men, meaning all human beings, because all have sinned in Adam. In other words, Adam uh, contaminated us when he sinned against God. So everything that he produced was just like him, a human being with a sinful nature. And that is why we need to be saved. We need to be saved, first of all, from the penalty of sin, which is eternal torment uh, in hell. Uh, Thankfully, God has made provision whereby we can uh, be delivered from this penalty of sin, uh, which, again, is eternal torment in hell, uh, better yet, in the lake of fire. Now, anybody that's really thinking or really informed uh, does not want to suffer this 
ultimate punishment of the lake of fire. You uh, want to be saved. But there are many out here who are not aware of or don't care about their need for the salvation uh, that God is offering. Uh, sin uh, has a great deal of power over human beings, uh, mainly because of uh, its pleasure, but also because uh, there is nothing that we can do uh, ourselves to rid ourselves of this sinful nature which we inherited in Adam. So we need to be saved. Uh, we need to be saved from the penalty of sin. Of course, this is accomplished uh, as a result of uh, receiving Jesus Christ as our Savior. And, of course, anyone who has received or uh, truly received Jesus Christ as their Savior uh, has repented of their sins. That does not mean that they're going to be 100% perfect, but they have a desire to be as God would have them to be, and that is to live a life uh, as far as possible uh, without sinning against the Lord. God has also given us provisions so that if we do sin against him, if we come to him and confess our sin, uh, he says that he will forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness, restore us uh, to fellowship uh, with him. Uh, let me say also, in haste, there's another scripture uh, in the book of Galatians uh, that says, Be not deceived. God is not mocked. Whatever a man sows, that shall he also reap. Uh, let me say it again, and then I'll say it in a little more uh, common vernacular. It says, Be not deceived, quoting the King James Version. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. Whatever whatever a man sows, that shall he also reap. In other words, whatever we plant, that's what's going to come up. And the point being is that just because we know as Christians that if we sin against the Lord, that he will forgive us for our sins, we're not supposed to take his mercy and his uh, grace uh, for granted. So, therefore, let no one say, well, hey, okay. So uh, God is going to forgive me uh, if I sin against him. So I just go out and have me a little fun or do uh, whatever uh, tickles my fancy, uh, accommodates my uh, sinful desires. And after I've had my fun, I'll just go back to God and ask him uh, to forgive me. And there you go. But uh, the bottom line is it does not work like that. Number one, if we have that kind of a mindset, there's a very, very serious question as to whether or not we were really saved at all. Because when we accept Jesus Christ as our Savior, the Word of God tells us that God is at work in us both to will and to do of his good pleasure. God is at work in us both to will and to do of his good pleasure. So therefore, when we accept Jesus Christ as our Savior, along with that comes a sincere desire to not offend God by sinning against him. When we do sin against him, we acknowledge the fact that we have sinned. He will forgive us. But also we want to keep in mind, I know maybe everybody might say, when are you going to start talking about Jehovah's Witnesses? But I'm going to get to that. Uh, so, yeah, we uh, go to God and, and we can uh, fess our sins. Uh, God will forgive us our sins. He's given us resources whereby uh, we are able to uh, do a pretty good job of living uh, as he wants us uh, to live. One of the biggest resources he's given us is the uh, spirit of God indwelling us. When we accept Jesus Christ as our Savior, um, the Holy Spirit, the spirit of God, 
takes up residence in us. And we have this, along with this comes this desire to not sin against God. So then, after we have accepted Jesus Christ as our Savior, we have been saved from the penalty of sin. Now, God begins to save us from the power of sin. Because when we accept Christ as our Savior, we still have a sinful nature. I'm waiting. I can hardly wait for man to be eradicated. But that won't happen until I'm in the presence of the Lord. But it is going to happen. But in the meantime, down here, we have a sinful nature. The sinful nature is 100% incurable, 100% adverse to the will of God. But to offset that, we also are indwelt by the Holy Spirit. So the sin nature is in opposition to the Holy Spirit who leads us to what God wants us to do, to be obedient to God. And uh, the sin nature tries to draw us into doing the things that we once did and maybe some things, uh, wicked things that we never did before. So we got this constant battle going uh, on the inside of us. Uh, you should read uh, Book of Romans, Chapter 7, with uh, uh, one of God's leaders, the Apostle Paul, uh, spoke about this battle saying, the good that I want to do, I don't do, and the evil that I don't want to do, I find myself doing it. And what he's saying is that some things I know that God don't want me to do, I don't want to do it, but sometimes I find myself doing it anyway. The good things that God wants me to do, uh, I want to do them, but sometimes I don't, uh, I find myself not doing them anyway. Uh, example, um, a person might say, you know, I know I need to read the Bible more. I know that the more I read the Bible, the more I benefit. I become more like Jesus Christ. I understand better. Uh, I become a more effective uh, witness for God, a more uh, uh, beneficial servant uh, to God. But the sin nature is not interested in reading the Bible. And so you'll find it putting against you, you know, I, I don't feel like doing this. I'm tired. I'm sleepy. Uh, something on the television. And we have to fight against those urges. Those urges are going to come. The urge to disobey God is going to come, and we are going to have to fight against it. And we have no excuses saying, hey, well, I, it ain't nothing I can do about it. Oh, yes, you can, because God has given us all of the resources that we need in order to live as he wants us to live. And the longer we are a Christian, the stronger we should become. But if we're going to be negligent, we're not going to study the Word of God, we love TV more than we do the Word of God, then we're not going to uh, benefit very much for this, uh, from this uh, ultimate, uh, one of these ultimate resources that God has given us, which is the Word of God. The other thing is prayer, constant prayer uh, to God, uh, giving thanks to God, of course, but also letting our requests be made known to him. Lord, the life that I'm living on, the, 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 uh, the thing that I keep, the, the sin that keeps tripping me up, I don't want to be like this, Lord. I'm asking you to help me. Help me, Lord. Restore me. Strengthen me. Guide me. We also have to take advantage of other resources God has given us. That's what Bible teaches us for, to help to build us up spiritually. That's what pastors and preachers are for, to help to build us up spiritually. And then also we have our fellow Christians, faithful Christians. We have. We, can, we should surround ourselves with faithful Christians. Uh, so that we can uh, build up one another spiritually. And this is a classic reason why, you know, I've heard people say, well, yeah, you know, I, I, I'm saved, but I don't believe you got to go to run the church every Sunday. Well, you need to run the church, as you call it, because God told us to do that. That's why we need to do it. And he said, don't forsake the assembling of yourselves to, uh, uh, as, as some are doing, 
but you should do it even more as you see the day approaching. What day is he talking about? The day when Jesus Christ is going to return and we're going to have to stand before him and get a, give account of our conduct while we were here on earth talking about us as Christians. So God saves us from the penalty of sin. You know, you can go to God and make a confession, something like, uh, Lord, I understand that you died on Calvary and you took the punishment for my sins and that if I would receive you as my Savior, all of my sins would be forgiven. So that is essentially how we get saved. If you pray that prayer in sincerity, uh, God forgives you for everything that you ever did. So uh, you're saved from the penalty of sin. Don't have to worry about going to hell. Jesus said, I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall any pluck them out of my hand. Then he begins to save us from the power of sin, but that's going to take effort on our part, too. We're not just to lay back and say, I'm just going to wait, God, to give me 100% deliverance. We're going to have to uh, put forth the effort. So, therefore, we are told uh, in the book, book of Philippians, chapter 2, and I think it's verse 15, uh, 13, that says, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. In other words, God is saving you. He's giving you everything that you need in order for you to live the way God wants you to live. But it's going to be a fight. It's going to be a struggle, but you can be victorious. You got to put forth the effort. You can't get this courage. Oh, what's the use? I give up. You know, I ain't never going to get no better. You can't go by that. You can't go by your failures and let your failures be the deciding factor as to whether or not you're going to be what God wants you to be. You go to God. I fail. I'm asking you to forgive me. Thank you for your forgiveness. Now let me get back on the battlefield and overcome uh, these weaknesses that I have. And if you do that, you will have a great deal of success. That's working out your salvation. You're not working for your salvation because you got that simply by accepting Jesus Christ as your Savior. There was nothing you could do to work for your salvation. There is no good deed that's good enough to uh, to get God to forgive you of your sins. The only thing that will cause God to forgive you of your sins is if you put your trust in what Jesus Christ did for you on the cross. What did he do? He took the punishment for my sin, for your sin, for the sins of the whole world. And if we put our trust on not in how good we could be, but in what Jesus Christ did for us on the cross, we are saved. Let me wrap that this portion of my teaching up with this. If God were to say to me, uh, Robert Baker, why should I let you into heaven? There's only one correct answer. Lord, you should let me into heaven because you said that I was a sinner. You made that known to me. I agree that I was a sinner. But you also said that Jesus Christ took my punishment for my sins on the cross, and if I would put my trust in what he did for me on the cross, that I would be forgiven of all my sins, therefore saved. That is how you get saved. Now, what's that got to do with Jehovah's Witnesses? Well, I just told you there is nothing good that you can do to uh, earn salvation. You can only put your trust in what Jesus Christ did for you on the cross. And you might say, well, then, if there's nothing I can do to earn salvation, I'm simply saved by putting my trust in what Jesus did on the cross. What's the point of me? Why do I have to live good then? When you know the way I live is not going to bring me salvation. It's faith in Christ. Well, if you really accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, as I said before, you want to live right. You want to do God's will. God puts that in your heart when you accept Jesus Christ as your Savior. Again, Philippians two and, and uh, twelve says, "Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling." And verse thirteen says. Because it is God who is at work in you, both to will and to do of his good pleasure. So that's salvation according to the Bible. But now let's look at salvation according to the Watchtower Bible and Tract Society. So, okay, I'm reading 
uh, from a document uh, that's taken directly from the Watchtower Society uh, book called Life Does Have a Purpose. No, no, not 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 the, not that one. Not uh, Life Does Have a Purpose. But uh, rather, I'm going to start off with first of all, who the Watchtower says salvation is in. Now, I say salvation is in Jesus Christ. The Watchtower says salvation in Jesus Christ. But do they really mean that, that salvation is in Jesus Christ? When I say salvation is in Jesus Christ, I'm saying it is in him and him alone. There's nobody else that can contribute to it. There's nothing that you can do that contribute to it. It is in him and him alone. But the Watchtower Society uh, says this. They say any person who wants to survive in God, uh, survive into God's righteous new order. Now, what is God's righteous new order? What the society means by that is the word of God teaches us that eventually Jesus Christ is going to return uh, to this earth. And when he turns returns to this earth, he is going to set up his kingdom. He is going to rule. And in this kingdom, and you can read about this in places such as uh, Isaiah chapter 11. Uh, some of you may remember the song, uh, there will be peace in the valley uh, for me someday, peace in the valley for me, I pray. No sadness, no sorrow, no trouble I'll see. And then there's a verse that says, uh, the bear will be gentle, the wolf will be tame, and the lion will lay down with the lamb. All the hosts of the wild will be led by a child, and I'll be changed from the creature that I am. Well, the lion laid down with the lamb and the host of the wild being led by a child. That concept comes from uh, the Bible, uh, from the book of Isaiah, uh, chapter 11. And so this is what the Watchtower is referring to as God's new order. All the chaos, all the crime, all the stuff uh, that you see going on today will not be going on when Jesus Christ takes control of this earth. This is what the Watchtower Society, again, calls uh, God's new order. Um, don't have no problem with that terminology, but there's a whole lot of other bigger issues uh, that disqualify the Watchtower Society from being the spokesman of God uh, that they claim to be. So uh, anyway, but the point of it is, is this. Uh, they say if you want to uh, participate in this new order that God is going to set up, and we refer to this as the millennium because this is going to be a 1,000-year reign of Jesus Christ when he has control of the earth, a 1,000-year reign. So we call it the millennial kingdom. So when Jesus Christ sets up his kingdom, then that uh, it, uh, Isaiah chapter 11, uh, we'll see that uh, taking place. But now, how do we uh, make sure that we're going to be participating in that that uh, new order, as the Watchtower Society calls it? Again, by accepting Jesus Christ as your Savior. But the Watchtower Society... They say you need to accept Jesus Christ as your Savior. He died on the cross. He paid the penalty for your sins. God will forgive you based upon what Jesus Christ did. Fine. But then they add something that the Word of God does not say. They say this. Any person who wants to survive into God's righteous new order, the millennial kingdom, urgently needs to come into a right relationship with Jehovah. So far, so good. If you want to survive into God's new order, you need to come into a right relationship with Jehovah, God the Father. And, and the only way that you can do that 
is again by accepting Jesus Christ as your Savior. If you do that, you do come into a right relationship with God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So, so far, so good. So what's wrong with what they're saying? Well, let me read the rest of it. Any person who wants to survive into God's righteous new order urgently needs to come into a right relationship with Jehovah and his earthly organization now. And his earthly organization now. So if I want to participate in the peace in the valley, the lion laying down with the lamb, saved from the penalty of sin, if I want to enjoy all of that, the Watchtower Society says you have to come into relationship uh, not only with God, but also his earthly organization, and you have to do that now. You can't delay. Well, all I want to know is where is that in the Bible? And Okay, and, 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 and it's not in the Bible, but it's in the Watchtower teaching. Okay, we'll take a break, and we'll continue after we return. Hello, friends. This is Pastor Emery Moss, host of Bible Talk. I've got some exciting news. Now, in addition to listening to us on 92.7 FM and AM 1500, you can also stream us live on Radio.com. Just go to Radio.com, tap the News Talk, and scroll down to WLQV Faith Talk. It's that simple. Or pick up the Radio.com app. Either way, it's fun, sounds great, and you're going to love it. Check us out at Radio.com. The stock market is tanking. Unemployment will likely reach an all-time high. Experts are saying the worst is yet to come, but what we need now is a solution. We have Colin Plume, president of Noble Gold, for some advice. What can Americans do now to prepare for a financially secure future? It's time to invest in assets that are sure to maintain value through any economic disaster, such as gold, silver, and other precious metals. Holding shares in companies that might not be there next year doesn't make any sense to me. And the markets are made up of hundreds of companies just like this. Take a look at the Dow Jones from 25 years ago. There are less than a handful of companies that have survived the test of time, such as Kodak and Westinghouse. But the precious metals market is not only surviving, it's thriving. That's encouraging, Colin. But how do our listeners, especially ones without financial savvy, explore the best strategies for their specific needs? And do we even have gold left? I heard there's a shortage. We have helped thousands secure their investment and ready to help more. Just visit noblegoldinvestments.com. That's noblegoldinvestments.com. That's noblegoldinvestments.com. Eric Metax is here. Like you, I'm confined to my home, spending time with my family. And one thing we enjoy right now is watching uplifting movies that affirm our faith. But what's there to watch? Well, I have the answer. Introducing Patterns of Evidence, The Exodus, a documentary that explores convincing evidence that the biblical account of the Exodus is true. Investigative filmmaker Tim Mahoney journeyed to Egypt, Israel, and throughout the world to search for answers to one very important question. Did the stories like Exodus, as written in the Bible, really happen? And the results of his investigation are monumental. Right now, you can watch Patterns of Evidence, The Exodus at Home. Go to PatternsofEvidence.com. That's PatternsofEvidence.com. And immediately following the movie, a panel moderated by Gretchen Carlson and featuring Dennis Prager and Graham Lotz and me, yours truly, will provide further insight and commentary on the film. Watch Patterns of Evidence, The Exodus, and others in the series. Go to PatternsofEvidence.com. That's PatternsofEvidence.com. Your phone number is 866-423-9578. This is Pastor Baker coming to you from Bible Talk, taking a look at the Watchtower Bible and Tract Society's teaching 
on what is necessary to be done in order to obtain the salvation that God will give freely to anyone who accepts Jesus Christ as their Savior. Let me say again, I don't want anybody to get the wrong impression. Anybody who has truly accepted Jesus Christ as their Savior has repented of their sin. That is, they have had a change of heart about the sinful lifestyle that they were once living. They no longer want to live it again. They will be challenged. They will be tempted. They will have struggles. But their fight will be to please God in all that they think, in all that they say, and in all that they do. The word of God says, let nobody deceive you with vain words. Fornicators shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Idolaters shall not inherit uh, the kingdom of God. Liars shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Only those who have repented of their sins. And again, it's possible uh, Christians do sin because if we didn't, God wouldn't tell us what to do when we sin. He said, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. So Christians do sin. But our goal, our heartfelt desire is to not sin. And if we are sincere about it, if we take advantage of the resources that God has given us, the word of God, uh, prayer, uh, fellowshipping with other Christians, uh, the other resources that God has given us that the Bible calls the armor of God, take advantage of these resources, fight the good fight of faith, meaning I don't care that, that I did fall again. I'm not giving up. I'm going to fight against this until I overcome it. That is proof that we have really accepted Jesus Christ as our Savior and didn't just mouth some words with no sincerity of heart. But again, the Watchtower Society gives lip service to what I just said, that salvation is in Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone, faith in his uh, finished work, what he did for us on Calvary. But then if you read their literature, you see how they're contradicting uh, themselves. Again, they say that it is necessary, it is urgent, as a matter of fact, uh, to get into a right relationship, not only with God, but with his earthly organization, too. And that earthly organization part is uh, not in the Bible. Um, then here's another statement from the Watchtower Society. They say uh, the witness. Now, what they mean by the witness is they're saying that God selected us to go out into the world as witnesses for him, warning people to come into a right relationship with him and to join his earthly organization. So that's the witness. That's the testimony. That's the thing we ought to say to people. And so here they say the witness includes the invitation to come to Jehovah's organization for salvation. Now, I thought that the invitation was to come to Jesus Christ for salvation. But they are saying come to Jehovah's organization for salvation. Here's another statement by him. Jehovah is using only one organization today, and then they say to receive everlasting life, that's salvation, you will live forever, not in torment in hell, but forever uh, in eternal perfection with Jesus Christ. But they say in order to receive this uh, everlasting life, uh, we must identify that organization and serve God as part of it. So we need to come into a right relationship with God's organization. The, the, uh, the witness includes the invitation to come to Jehovah's organization for salvation. If we want everlasting life, which is salvation, if we want everlasting life, we must identify that organization 
and serve God as part of it. So according to the Watchtower Society, I have been wasting my time for the last 43 years. Because although I have identified that organization, because I heard about them, and I read about them, and I know about them, but I have not come to that organization and serve God, serve God as a part of that organization. So according to them, I'm going to perish unless I come into contact, uh, uh, actually join uh, the Watchtower Society's organization. But again, this is why it is so, so critical that we are familiar with Scripture. And the only way we're going to get familiar with it is to study it and study it and study it and study it. And then after we study it, then what we need to do is study it and study it and study it again. We need to get this in our mind. You do not graduate from Bible study. I've been studying the Word of God for 43 years, but I have not graduated. And the only time that I can stop studying the Word of God, unless I'm prevented because of some uh, uh, physical infirmity or something, the only time that I can stop studying the Word of God is when I'm in heaven. When Jesus Christ comes back to get me, whether by death or by the catching up of the saints, because that's going to happen too, that will be the end of Bible study for me. But until then, I have to study and study. I've been studying for 43 years, but I ain't studied long enough that I can stop studying the Bible. So a word to the wise uh, is sufficient. Because if we don't know the Word of God, the Jawatow Society and other cults, other false teachings, uh, false and deceptive philosophies can get us. It can get us. Uh, there's a scripture in the Bible, Colossians 2 and 8. Colossians chapter 2, verse 8. And it's a warning to Christians, not to sinners. It's a warning to Christians. It says, take heed. Be on guard. Watch yourself. That's what it's saying. Take heed that no man spoil you, according to the King James Version. Other versions say, uh, say, take heed that no man takes you captive. Both of them are acceptable. Take heed that no man takes you captive. How? Then it says, through philosophy and empty deception. After the traditions of men. In other words, you start listening to people's opinions, people's beliefs, people's philosophies that don't line up with the Bible, and a lot of them, can get you with this because they can make it sound so logical. And the only way that you can tell it's false is by a knowledge of the word of God. The Watchtower Society is very skilled at making their arguments, their philosophies, their teachings sound biblical, but they are not. They'll say some things that are correct with the Bible, but you still cannot trust them as an organization, just like if I had a glad of Kool-Aid with a teaspoon of strychnine in it. So I got a lot of Kool-Aid in there, but I got enough strychnine in there to kill me. And the same way with the Watchtower Society, they'll say a lot of things that agree with the Bible, but their false teaching will kill you. And what I mean by kill you is cause you to think that you're a Christian. And when you die and you open your eyes in hell, you will realize that you never were a Christian in the first place. Well, Lord, I didn't know. Well, you could have known. Because if any individual, I don't care if they've never seen a Bible, never heard a missionary, I don't care where they're located at, if this individual looks up in the sky and sees and acknowledges that there is a creator, 
then God will give him the rest of the information that he needs. If this person wants to know, now, you know, I'm seeing the sun, the moon, and the stars. I'm looking, and I see that they come, you know, they, it's seasonal, and I see how they and the rain contribute to the growth. And then I notice we got everything on earth that is good for our health. And then I look at my human body, and I look at the way it's structured. It's amazing. My eyes are just where they need to be, in the front and not at the bottom of my feet. I notice that I got a hand, I got uh, four fingers and a thumb, and I see how critical this thumb is for gripping. So I'm looking at the things that are made, and I say, somebody had to do this. This couldn't have just gotten here by happenstance. This couldn't have gotten here like I've been told by some explosion in outer space. Common sense tells me that explosions don't create order. Explosions tear up stuff. Explosions create chaos. But here I am. You're going to tell me. Now, here I am. I got a heart. I got blood vessels. And that resulted from an explosion. I got lungs that I need. I got teeth to chew, eyes to see. I got teeth for tearing. I got teeth for cutting, called incisors, so I can cut my food. Then I got teeth for grinding so I can chew it. And then when I swallow it, I got a flap, the epiglottis, that closes over my throat to keep me from choking. And also, while I'm chewing my food, I have this saliva that lubricates it that makes it easy for me to swallow. And you're going to tell me that that came from an explosion and out of space, well, if that's the case, maybe that's where cars came from, an explosion in a junkyard, and all the right parts just happened to come together and say it's Chevrolet Malibu. So my point is man can know that God exists, but if he's so bent on continuing in his, in his sin, then, of course, he'll make up crazy ideas as to how the universe got here and who God is and how God is. So therefore, if a person perishes, it's not because they did not have the opportunity to find out the truth. And we here in America, people that wind up going to hell from America are going to be, their punishment is going to be more severe because we got more Bibles, we got more information, we got churches everywhere. Some of them ain't worth going to, but God will lead us to the right church if we want to go to the right church. But we got access to all this information and look at how wicked our nation is exceedingly, extremely wicked, deviating from Jehovah's Witnesses just a little bit. But, you know, we here in America have executed 60 million babies, 60 million babies. But we got access to all this information to teach us the difference between right and wrong, to teach us the difference between good and evil. But we're just bent on having our way, and that is why society is a whole lot worse than it was when I was a kid coming up. It was bad then, and man has always been a sinner. But, I mean, are you noticing how wicked and more and more wicked, how unreasonable people are coming down? You can't even have a discussion where I can have my opinion and you can have yours. The discussion now is you agree with me or you're wrong, and ain't no telling what I might do to you if you keep talking about what's right. Okay, so let me get off that soapbox. But... So uh, the Watchtower Society teaches that salvation, first of all, is in their organization, but that is not in the Bible. 
Uh, there's a passage in the Bible, in the book of Acts, uh, chapter 8 and verse 25, and it's about uh, a man who had somehow found out about the Jewish religion and had converted to the Jewish religion. And so he was trying to serve God to the best of his knowledge, but he was in need of more instruction. But what little he understood, when he looked up at the sun, the moon, and the stars, he acknowledged there has to be a creator. Somebody had to put this there. And if there is a creator, and he made me because I notice how my body functions and coordinates, so he made me, so what does he want me to do? And he will begin to speak. You know, if he says nothing but, sir, uh, whoever you are, reveal yourself to me. Show me what you want, uh, want me to do. So that's the kind of mindset this man had. Uh, he was an Ethiopian, by the way. And there was another man, a Christian, who knew uh, the will of God and what it took to be saved. And so the Holy Spirit told this man, uh, he said by well, and an angel, uh, God sent an angel to tell this man who, you know, knew God and knew it was necessary to accept Jesus Christ as your Savior. So I'm reading in the uh, book of Acts, uh, chapter 8, and uh, starting with verse 26, it says, But an angel of the Lord spoke to Philip. Now, Philip is the, the man uh, that uh, knew what was necessary in order to be saved. And it said, Arise and go south, uh, the road that descends from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert road. So he said, You're here in Jerusalem. I'm going to send you to Gaza. And he arose and went. And behold, there was an Ethiopian eunuch. And this is a man who had been emasculated. And behold, there was an Ethiopian eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians. So he was uh, under the queen of Ethiopia. But he had come to Jerusalem perhaps for a feast uh, to worship God the best he knew how. And he said he was in charge of her treasure and had come to Jerusalem to worship. And he was so he was worshiping God the best he knew how, but he didn't know everything he needed to know. But his heart was toward God. And since his heart was toward God, God is sending him a man to tell him what else he needed to know. And he was returning and sitting in his chariot and was reading the prophet Isaiah. So when I quoted you, I was telling you about the book of Isaiah, uh, chapter 11, the lion shall lay down with the lamb. So he's reading from the book of Isaiah, uh, not this chapter, but he was reading from Isaiah chapter 53, which was predicting the, the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. So uh, he was returning and sitting in his chariot and was reading the prophet Isaiah. And the spirit said to Philip, go up and join this chariot. And when Philip had run up, he heard him reading Isaiah, the prophet, and said, do you understand what you're reading? And he, the Ethiopian, said, well, how could I unless someone guides me? Oh, humility. God honors humility. He said, to tell the truth, I don't understand what I'm reading. I need somebody to guide me. I need somebody to help me. And so uh, the Bible, okay, the Bible tells us the passage that he was reading from, and I'll continue uh, with this reading when we come back from our break. We have reached the age where things just cost more. Cars, mm-hmm. phones, mm-hmm. life insurance. Your blood pressure is up. <laughs> Your weight is up. <laughs> You're one to talk. I have type 2 diabetes, so I'm getting dinged just like you. Thank goodness for Big Lou. Big Lou! 
Big Lou can get term life insurance rates for a 50-year-old male with type 2 diabetes or high blood pressure, or maybe he's on anxiety meds Mm -hmm. for just around $200 a month for a million dollars of coverage. Oh, you got to say that again. Go ahead. Okay, I'll say it. Big Lou and term provider could get a 50-year-old man, a little dinged up, Uh a million dollars in life insurance for around $200 a month. Call Big Lou. Big Lou. He's like you. 800-555-2085. That's 800-555-2085. Don't put it off. If you're overweight, diabetic, have high blood pressure, you gotta call Big Lou. Gotta. 800-555-2085. Write it down. 800-555-2085. G'day. I'm Scott from Plug-In Pest Free. Ever since I was a small child, I've always loved the United States of America. One thing I love is seeing how Americans come together and help each other in times of crisis. It truly is unique. As we have learned even more so of good hygiene these past few weeks, it is important to know another threat that has been around us since forever, rodents. Rodents carry many diseases with them we do not want around us or in our homes. You can learn about all the diseases rodents carry online with just a few clicks. One of the best and most humane ways to keep them out of your home is with Plug-In Pest-Free. Plug-In Pest-Free sets up a no-go zone in your home utilising the active electrical wiring. Now that's fair income. Look us up at gopestfree.com today. Use promo code PEST20 for 20% off. That's gopestfree.com, promo code PEST20. Don't spray and regret. Plug in and forget. This is Lon He Chen of the Hoover Institution for townhall.com. China has now moved to exert more control over Hong Kong, ending the special treatment that was guaranteed to it when the former British colony was turned over to Beijing's control in 1997. At the time, China promised Hong Kong would be governed for 50 years under the principle of one country, two systems. In other words, Hong Kong would retain its own legal system and police force through 2047. But President Xi Jinping of China is now breaking that promise by imposing a sweeping new national security law in Hong Kong that would criminalize acts of protest against the Chinese government. The American response was swift and appropriately strong. Secretary of State Mike Pompeo formally declared that the U.S. no longer considers Hong Kong autonomous from China. It's a move with numerous ramifications that will surely provoke Beijing, but sends the unmistakable signal that our support for the freedom-loving people of Hong Kong will not waver. I'm Lan He Chen. The Pepperdine Graduate School of Public Policy, impacting policy decisions today, preparing public leaders for tomorrow. Hello, friends. This is Tom Kitterman, host of Mornings with Meaning, and I've got some exciting news. Now, in addition to listening to us at 92.7 FM and AM 1500, you can also stream us live on Radio.com. Just go to Radio.com, tap Listen, choose News Talk, and scroll down to Faith Talk Detroit. It's that simple. Or pick up the Radio.com app. Either way, it's fun, it sounds great, and you're going to love it. Check us out at Radio.com. There are two radio stations in this city that focus on good news. One has the good news about the economy, jobs, consumer confidence, and the defeat over ISIS. One has the good news about the victory over the cross. One is all about the here and now. The other is all about eternity. To get through the day, you need both. So when you want to know more about the day's news and what to think about it, turn to FM 101.5 and AM 1400, The Patriot. If you want to change your life, turn to FM 92.7 and AM 1500. Faith Talk Detroit. Okay, welcome back to Bible Talk. Uh, taking a look at 
uh, the scriptures uh, in the book of Acts, uh, looking at uh, chapter 8, where God sent a man to a man who had a heart for God but didn't know all that he needed to know in order to be saved. So God sent a man by the name of Philip uh, to the desert where this Ethiopian, Ethiopian was in his chariot and he was reading scripture. He didn't understand what he was reading. Philip asked him, did he understand? He said, I need somebody to help me. And so uh, this Ethiopian, what he was reading was from, uh, you can find it in the 53rd chapter of the book of Isaiah. Uh, he was reading actually about the, uh, the persecution and crucifixion of Jesus Christ. And so the Bible says that uh, when the eunuch read this, he asked Philip, when the Ethiopian, he read this, he asked Philip. And said, please tell me, of whom does the prophet say this, of himself or of someone else? So the, the uh, Ethiopian is saying, now I'm reading this, is the prophet talking about himself or is he talking about somebody else? And the Bible in, uh, uh, says, then it says in verse 35 of Acts chapter 8, And Philip opened his mouth, and beginning from this scripture, he preached Jesus to him. In other words, he was teaching him that this is talking about Jesus Christ and how he died on the cross, and the fact that he died on the cross was uh, so that he could pay the penalty for all the sins of all humanity, and that what we need to do uh, in order to uh, benefit from his death is to repent of our sins and accept Jesus Christ as our Savior. And then once we do that, we are to be baptized, not so we can get saved. We are to be baptized because we are saved. When we get baptized, what we are demonstrating is that we uh, we are declaring to the world, I've accepted Jesus Christ as my Savior. We go down into the water saying the old me has died. We come up out of the water. I'm a new person now. Same physically, same biologically, but spiritually, I'm a new person. So Jesus commands us to be baptized, but not so we can be saved, but because we are all saved. And this is just a declaration, an open declaration to all who uh, 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 see it, that I'm a different person now. I've accepted Jesus Christ as my Savior. So Philip explained all this to him. And then in verse uh, 36, it uh, says, And as they went along the road, they came to some water. And the eunuch, the Ethiopian, said, Look, water, what prevents me from being baptized? And Philip said, If you believe with all your heart, you may. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And when he said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, he's saying, I believe that all that is said about him is true. That is, all that the Word of God has said about Jesus Christ is true. That he died on the cross, took the punishment for our sins, and I can obtain forgiveness of sins and uh, salvation by putting my trust in what Jesus Christ did. And the fact that he wanted to be baptized showed that he really did believe from his heart that he really had accepted Jesus Christ as his Savior. Okay, so he said, here's water. That's anything that's preventing me from being baptized? And verse 38, uh, what uh, Philip said, if, if you believe it all your heart, you, you, you can be baptized. If you were sincere about accepting Jesus as your Savior, he said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And then verse 38 says, and he, the Ethiopian, ordered the chariot to stop. And they both went down into the water, Philip as well as the uh, eunuch, the Ethiopian. And he baptized him. Now, what does all this have to do with the Watchtower Bible and Tracts of Sadducees? You have to become a part of our organization. Well, it says he baptized him. And then the very next verse, verse 39, it says, And when they came up out of the water, 
the Spirit, that is the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of the Lord snatched Philip away, and the eunuch saw him no more, but went on his way rejoicing. Rejoicing because he was saved. He knew his sins were forgiven, accepted by God. He's become a child of God. But here's the interesting thing. Once Philip baptized him and they came up out of the water, the Bible said the spirit snatched Philip away and the eunuch saw him no more. Why am I bringing this all up? Did you notice something? Did Philip say anything about you have to become part of an organization? Did he say that you have to come back with me uh, to Jerusalem and you have to be with them? Uh, That's in Jerusalem. He didn't say nothing like that. He baptized him and the Holy Spirit caught Philip away and it says the eunuch saw him no more. So here is an illustration from the Bible that shows that this stuff about you got to uh, uh, become part of a specific organization. No, here, when you accept Jesus Christ as your Savior, you become a member of the church. What is the church? The church is all Christians all over the world. That is the church, also referred to in the Bible as the body of Christ. So you become part of the worldwide church, and that's only made up of people who have truly accepted Jesus Christ as their Savior. Now, well, what about these buildings we go into, you know, on the east side, on the west side, north end, or whatever like that? We call that the church, too. Actually, uh, you know, we won't quibble about that, but actually, that is the place where Christians assemble themselves together to worship. And we uh, refer to that as the church, but the church is really the people, not the building. So we say, well, you know, I'm going to church Sunday. Fine, no, no problem with that. But what we're saying is I'm going to assemble myself together with the saints so that we can worship God collectively, so we can give thanks to God collectively, so we can teach and be taught, so that we can build one another up spiritually, so we can bear one another's burdens, so we can pray for one another, so that we can comfort one another, so that we can console one another. That's why we assemble ourselves together, so we can rebuke one another if that's necessary, so that we can admonish, which means to warn one another if that's necessary. If somebody is a Christian and behaving themselves in a way that they should, then they're, you know, setting themselves up for rebuke, uh, to be warned, and that is Christian love. So that is why we go to church. God commands us, don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together as a manner of some ill. Some people are being disobedient to that. He says, as a matter of fact, I want you to assemble yourselves together more and more. So we shouldn't really say, well, you know, I go to church on Sunday, that's enough. Actually, it ain't. You know, that's why we got uh, Bible studies and and other uh, ministries that's going on in the church that's designed ultimately so to build us up spiritually. After we accept Jesus Christ as our Savior, then we want to lead other people to Jesus Christ. But how can we do that if we're not taught how to do it? How can we know what to say if we're not taught how to say it? Well, I just stay at home and read my Bible. Uh, Let me assure you, unless you got some physical impairment that's preventing you from doing otherwise, show me a person who don't read nothing but the Bible, and I'll show you a person that don't know much about the Bible. Show me a person, all I do, I stay at home and I read my Bible, and I show you a person that don't know much about the Bible because God ain't going to give you all the sense that you need. He's going to give you some of the sense that you need through other people. I've been studying the Bible for 43 years, and still I listen to other Bible teachers too, men that know more than I do, 
in order that I can be built up spiritually. That's the way God has it set up. But he does not require you to join some uh, uh, self-proclaimed God-representing organization, such as the Watchtower Bible and Tract Society. The Watchtower Bible and Tract Society is not God's organization. They call themselves God's organization, but they are not God's organization. Uh, The last quote that I read uh, to you from the Watchtower Society says, Jehovah is using only one organization today to receive everlasting life in this uh, earthly paradise. We must identify that organization. So if you want to enter into God's new order, which is a 1,000-year reign of Jesus Christ on the earth, um, that's what they mean by the earthly paradise, because earth is going to become a paradise when Jesus begins to reign on earth. Again, the bear will be gentle. The wolf will be uh, tamed. The lion will lay down with the lamb. All the hosts of the wild will be led by a child and I'll be changed from the creature that I am. And I tell you, one of the reasons why I want Jesus to hurry up and come back, because I want to get rid of Robert Baker. I want to be 100% perfect. I strive for perfection. I do it by prayer, studying of the Bible, pleading with God, putting forth effort, getting instructed, asking somebody to pray for me. But one day all those struggles are going to be over. But the fact that you are struggling shows that you were genuine when you said you accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior. You know, I could tell you that I'm struggling with adultery. And the reason why I'm struggling with adultery is because I ain't never yielded to it. Now, show me a person that ain't struggling. If I'm saying I ain't struggling with adultery, well, maybe that's because I didn't gave in to it. But there are going to be some struggles in a Christian life. But God has given us every resource that we need in order to please him to overcome our weaknesses. But if we neglect them, we have nobody to blame but ourselves. And we must remember, sin carries consequences. God will forgive you for your sins, but that don't mean that it ain't no consequences. And I've used this illustration before. I like to use this illustration. You know, say if I went out and say, well, hey, you know, God will forgive me for my sins, so I know this uh, woman like me, so I'm going to go out here and commit, a little, commit me a little adultery. And, uh, you know, she married, but ain't no, no problem with that. I'm going to commit me a little adultery. And then after I get through having my fun, I'm going to come back to God and say, Lord Jesus, my Savior, merciful God, full of compassion, gracious God Almighty, for whom nothing shall be impossible. I know that I did wrong, Heavenly Father, merciful and gracious God. Wilt thou not forgive me for my sin? Grant mercy to thy servant, for thou art a merciful God. Oh, don't that sound so wonderful? Or I can go to him and really and truly be 100% sorrowful. Said, you know, that was really stupid on my part. How could I do that? How could I show such lack of appreciation for what Jesus Christ did for him on the cross? He died, shed his blood so that I could live holy, not living in adultery. So I, I say I truly and really from the heart repent. Go to God, sorrowful, never do it again. But remember I told you, God will forgive me, restore me to fellowship with him, but sin still has consequences. Suppose a woman one day, six months later, she's talking on the phone to her girlfriend about the time she committed adultery with Baker. And she forgot her husband was in another room, and he heard of what she said. And he comes out the room and makes her tell him who it was that she committed adultery with. He finds out it was me. Now, he knows what I did, but I don't know that he knows. See me walking down the street one day, maybe walking down the street one night. He's mad because the Bible says jealousy is the rage of a man, and in a day of vengeance, he will not spare, and he shoots me in the back. I don't die, but I'm paralyzed for life. Oh, Lord, I thought you forgave me. 
If the Lord said, yeah, I did forgive you, then how come I'm paralyzed? You did that. How? You knew I said thou shalt not commit adultery. I'm not obligated to protect you when you decide you're going to rebel against me and sin deliberately against me. I know you were sorry. I know you repented, but you must remember sin has consequences. That's what we want to keep in mind. The Watchtower Society is not God's organization. Let me show you this contradiction if I can. Let's see if I got enough time to show you this contradiction. So they say we must identify that organization and serve God as part of it, okay? Now, I have another statement from them, and look at what they're saying now. We cannot take part in any modern version of idolatry, okay? And we cannot impute salvation to an organization. In other words, they cannot say, we cannot say salvation is in an organization. That's what the Watchtower Society said. But they said that you must identify that organization and serve God as part of it. Now they're saying we can't impute or say that salvation is in an organization. And not only that, they say if we draw away from Jehovah's organization, there will be no place else to go for salvation. Did you hear that? If we draw away from, from Jehovah's organization, there wouldn't be no place else to go for salvation. But now, so first they say you got to join this organization. Then they say you can't impute salvation uh, to an organization. In other words, you can't say salvation is in an organization. And then they say if we draw away from Jehovah's organization, there would be no place to go for salvation. The Watchtower Society is famous for contradicting themselves. Listen, the word of God says this. And you tell me when I say the word organization. The word of God says that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus. This is Romans 10 and 9. The book of Romans chapter 10 verse 9. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God has saved him from, raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Didn't say nothing about no organization. Okay, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. It didn't say if you join an organization. Jesus said, I give unto them eternal life, but they shall never perish. Neither shall any pluck them out of my hand. Nothing about an organization. So you see how to watch them. Sponsored by Bible Boot Camp Ministries. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.